allow me to begin by thanking you. Uh, both my wife Daryl and I are so thankful for your invitation to be with you. We think this is really wonderful to see this, this new, or renewed I suppose is the right word, missions conference. Uh, we are able to see some old friends, we're able to meet new ones, and uh, you've cared for us in a very kind and generous way. And for that, we're most thankful, and I just wanted to begin by saying that to you. Uh, this morning, uh, I'd like to invite you to look at two very short passages of Scripture. Uh, the first one comes from our Lord himself, and the second one uh, shows us how a young first-century church in Corinth, in Greece, put our Lord's words into very lively and life-changing practice. Uh, the first reading, then, is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 14 through uh, 16. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that when they see your good works and give glory to your God, who is in heaven. And the second reading is in... Uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, second letter to the Corinthians, uh, chapter 9. And I'm going to sort of read midway through the chapter. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through uh, 15. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Well, they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. 
And this is the Word of God. I would like to begin this morning with a story, and I would like you to use your imagination to put yourselves in the story. So the story becomes, as it were, your story. Many summers ago, our family was in the south of France, in a region, a beautiful region called Provence, and we had decided towards the end of the day that we were going to go out and enjoy some lavender fields. But we underestimated the time it would take for us to go from the little village to the lavender fields, and so by the time we got there, well, it was sundown. And so we were a little disappointed, and we were looking out over these rather dull lavender fields when we did a 180-degree turn, and lo and behold, behind us, there were these lights that were coming up on sort of a clifftop village that we didn't even know was there. It was a, we were stunned. It was so surprising. And as the sun went down, the lights came on more and more and more. And it looked like some kind of a fairy tale town that was lighting up right under the mountains and the cliffs behind us. And well, we looked at each other, of course, and we said, well, we've got to go see that. We've, that's too good to pass up. Let's go find out what's going on there. And so we did. We went to the town, which wasn't very far away, and we walked up, and the folks were getting out and about, and they were gathering for meals out in the outdoor cafes and restaurants, and it was full of light, and the darkness was going down, and there's just and it was just so joyful. And the music was playing. And a little town is called, a little village actually, of 700 residents called uh, Moustier Sainte Marie. And they were just thrilled. And I guess we got to join in with their joy. Well, that little story leads us directly to our scripture this morning. And to begin, I'd like to zero in on um, verse 1. Uh, or just one verse, actually, in Matthew chapter 5, and it's verse 16, where our Lord says this, Let your light shine before others, so that they too may see your works, your good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Well, Jesus wants to do great things through you. He wants to do wonderful things among you, both as uh, individuals, but most particularly as a congregation, as his church. And if you think about light shining out, as Christians, it's always Jesus' light that is shining. It's always his light that shines through you. We don't really have the light to shine out, but he does. And his light is so full and more than sufficient. And here he's talking to his disciples. And so we know that these are men and women who have been gripped by Jesus, whose lives have been gripped, whose hearts have been gripped by the Lord. And he brings his life, his light, his newness of light into their lives. And they experience a relationship with him and they experience relationships with others that they never saw before. They just never saw it. And if you're here today, or if you're listening online, and you're not yet a Christian, or you've been thinking about what it would be like to become a Christian, 
I, I just like to underscore something here that I hope will be an encouragement to you. When you become a Christian, you will see things that you never saw before. Jesus' light will shine into your life in ways that you not only never saw, you never even anticipated. And that new light is going to be tremendously freeing and tremendously encouraging for you. For example, uh, you will come to see this. Oh, I see now for the very first time that we were really created in God's image. That, that we're men and women who have been made by God for him. And he's really made us to enjoy him. And the fullness of life and the joy of our humanity comes when we're enjoying our creator who's made us in his image. And he'll reflect all of that goodness and all of his presence into your life. And you will say, I never saw that before. And, and that is so rich. And that is so fulfilling. And I'm just, the words can't express it. Or it may be that you, you will come and you will see at the same time, oh, I, I really didn't see how broken I am. I really didn't see how broken others are. I, I really didn't see how far we are separated from our God and Creator. I really didn't grasp how much I live for myself, and I really don't care much about others. And now I'm starting to see how much that crushes me, and how much that crushes others and their humanity. And I just, I just never saw it before until Jesus' light shined on my heart. Or probably another thing will happen, and that is, you will say, oh my, oh my, Jesus has actually come to make things right. He, he's actually come to reconcile God to me, and, and us to God, and, and he's doing it while we don't even care about him, while we're walking away as rebels and as enemies, and he does it when we don't even deserve it. And I just never saw that before. I really, I just never grasped, I just never grasped it. When Jesus' light grips our heart, there are many things that happen, but I just want to say one thing. When Jesus shines into your life, into our lives, you will begin to see, and you will grow in seeing, just how tremendously generous our God is. He is magnificently, stupendously generous beyond anything and any of our words could possibly express. And we don't deserve any of it. So that light, that new life of Jesus that grips your heart, that shines in your heart, that changes all of your motives for life, all of your attitudes for life, changes the very attitude about who you are and what you're about. So there's one word that I would like to zero in on here, one part of that change, but a really big part of the attitude that comes in living in the light of Jesus is this, gratitude. 
gratitude for his extreme and undeserved generosity towards us. Gratitude to God for all he is. Gratitude for all he does. Gratitude, which thanks him for the new life that he gives us once, forever, every day, all by his grace. And so the scriptures always say that living the good life in God's eyes can only really be true if it's motivated by gratitude. If it flows out of gratitude for his grace, for his kindness, for his mercy, for all of his goodness to us. And so as Jesus' light shines in your life, well, his life is going, light is going to shine through your life into others' lives. And yes, it'll often be a weak beam, if I can say that. We don't shine all that brightly. And uh, we have lots of ups and downs because we're fundamentally pretty weak people. But there's something good about his life shining through fundamentally weak people. People know it's not our light. It's his light. And when it's his light shining through kind of weak people, that light actually, paradoxically, shines much more brightly because it gives much more glory to God. So what will people see in the life of a congregation, of a people who are living in gratitude for God's generous mercy to us? Well, I think one of the things, there are many others, but one of them is simply this. Um, They will live with, they will hear, they will be with a people who just simply want to give thanks to God for everything they are and for everything they're about. And people will ask, well, why do you believe this? Or when they see you doing things, they will say perhaps, why are you doing this? And you will say, well, we're, we're just so grateful. We're just doing this because we're so grateful. We're so grateful to Jesus. We're so grateful that he has done all of this in our lives, that he's continuing to do it when we don't deserve it. And we just want to gratefully pass it on to you. We want to pass on to you our gratitude for such a great and merciful Savior. And our Lord says when that happens, he will actually use that. He will actually use your gratitude in relationships with others to bring folks to become lovers of God. That's what the text says. They will come to praise God as their loving Father. He will use you in your deeds, in your words of gratitude for undeserved grace in Jesus to touch the hearts of others and bring them to worship God. That's what missions is all about. It's just all about coming and worshiping our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus' whole mission is to love his Father. His whole mission is to do his Father's will, to gather in many who are broken, 
so that they can be forgiven and loved as God's beloved children. So in every aspect of mission, Jesus, when I put it this way, he loves them in. You know, he doesn't whip them in, he doesn't coerce them in, he loves them in, if I can put it this way. So people just come to see by God's working in their lives through your testimony just how good Jesus truly is, how worthy he truly is, how incredibly generous he is, and we don't deserve any of it. Sometimes, if you're at all like me, you'll get a little bit discouraged about relationships. You'll get discouraged about relationships in your family. You'll get discouraged about relationships in society. Uh, you can even get yeah, discouraged about relationships in the body of Christ, in the local church. And sometimes when we get discouraged, we're kind of tempted to run away. Kind of, yeah, kind of discouraged and we want to hide. Or we wonder, is all of this worth it? So sometimes we want to run away from or hide from the influence of society. And we say, well, you know, that's just too hard out there. There are too many difficulties. And, and so we can become somewhat defensive in our attitudes, defensive in the tone of our voice, uh, uptight, if I can put it that way, in our demeanor, sometimes fearful, and sometimes we can react angrily. And here Jesus is saying, I actually want you to go out. I want you to be proactive. I want you to be my light, my light shining through you, because I want to change others' lives and bring my mercy and grace into their lives through you. So be encouraged. Don't be uptight. Be uh, engaged rather than withdrawn. And seek to do good for all people fairly, impartially, and thankfully. It's kind of was amazing to us that that little village in France could put on such a light show. <laughs> it really was quite amazing. But it's even more amazing what a light show a little congregation can put on for the glory of God. Because it's really not our light show, it's Jesus' light shining through pretty weak and ordinary people. And he uses us as a community to light up our community with his light. And people are drawn to him through your gratitude. He loves them into his family through you as you love him and as you love others and provide a new place of light. That is, a new place of forgiveness and healing for people who are broken and don't deserve it, just like we don't. Okay. So how 
do we do this practically? Well, second reading. Let's look at but one example among many of how a little church, pretty little church anyway, uh, did this in the world in the first century A.D. in uh, the city of Corinth. And uh, there's so much you could say about the church in Corinth. Uh, I just want to zero in on one thing, because I can only preach one thing at a time. Um, Paul is writing to a largely Jew, uh, non-Jewish, a, a largely Gentile or non-Jewish church in Corinth. And they've raised some money. They've just had a fundraising campaign here. And they're going to send the money to the largely Jewish church in Jerusalem. Okay, across the water. And the reason is that the Jewish church at this time is not only poor, but they are facing a major famine. And people are not eating. And uh, they need help quickly and desperately because the situation is going awry way beyond what people thought would happen. And sort of, this is where the, the rudder, I guess, or the rubber, I should say, meets the road. Um, your gratitude in Christ, and we'll see it here, changes the way you look at your money. Your attitude to your money and your resources and your time and your skill set. So let's look a little bit more closely because I think this is actually quite encouraging for you today. Uh, verse 7 says this, and it's already being said at the offering here, so I'll just repeat it one time more. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Well, because God himself is such a generous giver. This doesn't just drop out of the sky. It's because this is who our God and Savior is. He is a generous giver. I'll read verses 8 through 10. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Do you see it? <laughs> Our God is just so generous. So we want to be generous back to him. And we want to be generous more and more towards others because he's so generous to us. And in fact, we'll never catch up because his generosity is infinitely and eternally generous. And ours is not infinite and eternal, but his is. So it's badly skewered against us in terms of our generosity and in his favor, but that's the right way for it to be skewered. You see it? He's just so generous and deep gratitude to Jesus produces deepening generosity back to God and to others. I'll just read a little thing here from the Chalmers Institute at Covenant College. 
Uh, it was from October the 11th, 2022. I think it's in the Faith magazine, but I'm, I'm not quite sure. But anyway, or maybe I got it online somewhere else. But um, it, it, the, t- the title of the article is The Ministry of Writing Checks. Right. And I'm going to read just a quick little quote here. I'd like you to just listen as I read the quote for the emphasis on an attitude of gratitude. Okay, here's the quote. If our gift is to walk with people in hands-on ministry, we can give thanks for that and for those whose generosity God uses to make it possible. If our opportunity to serve comes through financial support, we can thank God for the ministry of writing checks that equip and empower others. We can do a lot of things over the course of life, and we can be thankful that God has placed us where he has at our various seasons of life. But I want to go one step further here. Not only is God a generous giver, he's also a generously joyful giver. Not just generous, but joyfully generous. You see, he's asking us to be joyful in our generous giving because that's who he is. He's joyful. He's a joyful God. How can I put this? You know, it's not really that important, the text says here, how much you give, but rather that you be free to give joyfully whatever in your conscience you want to give joyfully back to God and to others. Be free. So, so the, the, the drive here, the impetus, the, the motive is really not how much. Okay? Um, it's really important, I think, to understand, too, that uh, yes, it's important to recognize the need. We need to know the need. And it's also a good thing to be sacrificial, but that's not really what's driving him, though. Those are important, but that's really not what Paul is using here to drive your generosity and gratitude. He says, and this is the catch here, so just remember this one, okay? He's saying, keep giving until you get the joy. Okay? Keep giving. If you haven't, if you haven't got the joy yet, well, keep giving until you get the joy. That's what he's saying here. Give until you're full of joy. Keep praying. Keep giving. Keep learning this new attitude and motive until you've had a reset in your soul. And um, the reset probably has to go on and on, but until you come to this point where you're just finding a, a real delight and a real joy um, in releasing the funds, the resources, the skills that God has loaned you for the very short life that he gives us in this world in order that his light, the light of Jesus, might shine through you back to him and into the lives of others. So, I need to finish up here. I need to draw this to a close. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is actually repeating what our Lord says in Matthew 5. Can you hear it? I'll just read verses 13 and 14 and 15. 
It's the same point that our Lord makes, that people will come to praise and worship your heavenly Father. So in verses 13, 14, and 15, our Lord, uh, Paul says, By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Well, they long for you and pray for you because of the unsurpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Wow. Um, the ultimate goal of your joyfully generous gratitude is that hearts will be turned to Jesus and they will come and worship our great God. You will actually win folks to Jesus and you will continue to build up their faith, build up their relationship, build up their strength, and build up their joy as fellow Christians. So in 2 Corinthians 9, you can see that it's all about the well-being of the church, right? But in Matthew 5, Jesus is saying, this is, this is for everybody, okay? So the same life of joyfully generous giving that applies to caring for one another in the body of Christ is also how we live it out and about in the society that we're in. And this is why... We as Christians and your congregation and mine back in Montreal can be joyfully generous in our town, in our city, in our society. This is why Christians are philanthropists. Because we're joyfully generous men and women who are so full of gratitude for what we don't even deserve. And, of course, the goal is that God himself will get all the praise and all the glory. Not many of us are called to be ministers or to be evangelists or to be um, missionaries. But don't think you have to get into that calling to be part of great things and doing great things for our Lord and Savior and His mission. God will use you individually and together to do significant, significant ministry and witness for him, for his glory. There where you are in your job, uh, working with your hands in your trade, caring for your neighbor down the street, in your profession, and also in your joyfully generous giving of the funds and the skills and the time that he's given you. I know, if you're all like me, Sometimes you're going to feel a little bit fearful about giving stuff away like that. Okay? Sometimes you're going to be unsure of your motive. Am I really doing this joyfully? And sometimes you're even going to be doubtful that you're making a difference with your giving. Are things really changing? Well, I didn't say these words. Jesus did. So don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. He will use you in this way. And you've got ample proof over the history of the church and today that what he says and what he does is true. A quick little illustration. True 
that I like to give. It's back in Senegal, in the city of Dakar, some years ago. And uh, there's a small Christian church. Uh, and the pastor is Mamadou Diop, a fellow who grew up in a Muslim family, became a Christian. And um, the local imam of the mosque where their church is came to Mamadou one day and said, uh, we just don't have the money to repair the roof of the mosque. And the rainy season's coming, and it's going to leak like a sieve. He didn't say that, but that's what he meant. It's going to leak a lot. And um, could your church, could the Christians help us repair the roof of the mosque? So the elders of the church had a quick meeting, and they said, well, you know, these are fellow citizens, and they're going to have rain coming in on them, and that's not good. So, yeah, how much do you guys need? And they said, well, we really, to do it right so that it never leaks again, we need so much. And so the Christians said to the, to the Muslims, here's the check. Here's the money. Go get your, your roof of your mosque uh, repaired. So the next day, the imam comes to Mamadou's house, knocks on the door, and says, I've never seen that before. I've never seen that kind of kind and generous response to our need. If that's what Jesus does in the lives of his followers, I want that from our children. So my wife and I have agreed that we will send all four of our children to your Christian school so that they can grow up under the life of Jesus. God will use your gratitude, lived in generosity and joy, to bring others to worship and praise him. Gratitude, lived in generosity and joy, will also become your go-to lifestyle, your reset button in attitudes and life. And, and you too will be supporting the schools and the hospitals and the needs and the poor and the missions both here and elsewhere. And when others ask you, well, why are you doing this? You're just going to be able to say, it's such a joy to be loved by such a generous Lord Jesus. And I want you too to know the healing and the forgiveness and the mercy and the forgiveness. And I want you to praise him forever. So Jesus is saying to me, to you, to all of us, both online and here today, go out into your town, go out into your city and be my shining city on the hill. And I'm going to use you, my beloved people, my church, to turn hearts away from the idols of our current culture and to turn them to worship the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the good news. Amen. Our hymn of response is... Uh